What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 10 of season two. I'm your host, Kurt Field. And it is your boy, heavy-hearted Bruno. Kurt, before we get off to our crazy start, I just have to work this in there. Ask me why I'm heavy-hearted. Bruno, why are you heavy-hearted? I think you know this, but Celtics fan, a legend today, Tommy Heinsohn passed away. True to our hearts, talking about Aaron Baines in the shower. All-time clip, talking about Isaiah Thomas, the little guy. Tommy points. Celtics fan. All I was thinking about all day was all the good Celtics memories. So before we get into the craziness of the podcast, moment of silence for our boy, Tommy. RIP, rest in peace, 2020 sucks. Fuck LeBron. Thank you. Oh, my God. I was like, (laughs) why is he sad? The Patriots won for the first time in six weeks. Yeah, thank God that was the only reason I was sad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But no, it's been, today's been really sad as a a Boston sports fan and um, Celtics nation, obviously. If you've been on Twitter at all today, or if anyone listening has a Twitter, Twitter's kind of being flooded by like with memories of Tommy and all that. Uh, you know, this, everyone has a story about him and he seemed like, you know, this amazing human being. Um, and obviously it's a tough, tough day and you're right. 2020 sucks. Yep. And so, you know, if Tommy uh, was still with us, Kurt, he'd want us to be full of life, full of zest, if you will. He'd want us to give it our all, be enthusiastic. As a certain college football coach says, he'd want us to row the boat. So let's get this motherfucking show on the motherfucking road. Let's row the boat. Let's row the boat. So, Bruno, I think we should start this rowing session way back on Thursday night football. How about that? Bruno. I had to make sure I was on the right week. I'm on the right week. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad we've established that. <laughs> I was like, hold on. The Packers played the 49ers this Hold week. up, hold up. We them boys. We them boys. <laughs> uh, I think it's weird because we had to record the podcast later last week. So everything, just time doesn't feel like anything went by. Yeah, and I'd also I'd like to add, we're so fucking back. For all the haters and losers out there and people who don't listen to this podcast, and even those who do, we're fucking back. You can hear it in the mother... It's been two fucking minutes. The shit's electric. So, Kurt, let's get this fucking boat rowing, baby. It's shout out to Raul at Best Buy in Stanford, Ooh. Connecticut, because Ooh. he hooked me up with, he said, the best Ethernet cord. I'm like, I don't know if there's any difference, Raul. But anyway, thank you. And you can't see it, but he got me an adapter for my laptop because I would have gotten home and been like, oh, shit. I can't plug this into a Mac. Oh, my God. That would have been unbelievably classic. So thank you, Raul. Shout out Raul. Best friend. Raul sponsors this podcast. Anyway, let's start back on Thursday Night Football. (laughs) The Green Bay Packers double up the San Francisco 49ers 34-17. to Uh, Bruno, I think my biggest takeaway from this game is that the Packers, I mean, the 49ers were hurt, obviously. They put their practice squad out there. what it seemed like but i think the packers are legit i really really do they kind of took the foot off the gas and still put 34 up and uh you know obviously being the tom brady stand that i am i've never really liked to give aaron Rodgers too too much credit but the boys playing well this season yeah to touch on what you said 49ers already unbelievably injured and then on top of that i think jimmy g was injured either before this game or during this game i can't remember which like we said time is a, a non-linear flow of just consciousness and social construction so i don't even know where we are at this current moment but i think he's hurt right now and that's all i need to definitively say that being said 
I completely agree with you. I think two weeks ago, Packers were without Aaron Jones, comes back this week. It was questionable if he was even going to play, but basically every single uh, Green Bay running back either had COVID or was on the COVID list or was injured. So he played anyways, gutted through it. Honestly, they probably didn't even really need him. He still looked fine. Devonta Adams is a fucking beast. He is so good. Like you said, the the Packers are looking kind of scary. I'm not going to lie. I... When Matt LaFleur got hired, I remember last year, I was like, oh, I don't know. He's just one of those coordinators. But clearly, whatever they're doing is paying off because Aaron Rodgers is a, to quote, a certain personality is a bad, bad man. He's a bad man, Bruno. <laughs> that was, that was wow. pretty good. Dang. Work on it. But uh, I've, I just feel like, you know, they're going to be there at the end of the year. Uh, they'll they'll contend for an NFC championship for sure. Yep. We'll just see if Rodgers chokes it away like he normally does in the postseason. Yep, hopefully he does. Oh, hopefully he does. Oh, just real quick. I think the 49ers are done. Uh, I'm going to done. <sighs> shout out part of my take. I'm going to done chain them. Ooh, Put the done I like chain that. Yeah, and what sucks is that it's not even like it's not even like they're bad. Like there's a lot of teams that get done chained by part of my take that are just bad. It's not like the well, I don't want to say the 49ers aren't bad, but it's just again, it's like injuries. Their injuries are just insane. So right. it sucks for them. They uh, they obviously they got off to a promising start and they're like a fun young team, but can't really disagree with you at this point. I mean, I said it last week. I think Jimmy Garoppolo has played his last game as a 49er. Um, but I don't want him back in New England. So. <laughs> well, Kurt, yeah, we'll have to look, see where that goes. Sheesh. Oh, All right. Um, speak, Bruno. They did it again. The Dunn Falcons did it again. The Falcons won again. And I'm, I don't, I, for those who listened to last week's uh, shitty episode, shout out. That's my fault. Um, <laughs> we, two episodes ago, you mentioned the Falcons just le- need to learn how to lose correctly. Well, since you've told them how to lose correctly, they've won twice. So what so, you're saying is they are losing incorrectly. Oh my god! <laughs> you're right. I mean, maybe you could They're say losing. that they just don't know how to lose. They don't correctly. know how to lose. <laughs> they either lose incorrectly or win. Yeah, you know what? I'm not going to think too hard on that. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> they put up 34 <laughs> points again. Um, they beat the Broncos 34-27. Broncos dropped to three and five. Um, Todd Gurley finds the end zone again somehow, some way. That man finds the end zone. And, uh, you know, if you have him in fantasy, people like to really send you trade requests uh, nonstop for Todd Gurley. <clears throat> yeah, uh, a certain former boss of ours certainly wants Todd Gurley to find his way onto his team. We'll uh, see if that ends up happening or not. Um, yeah, it's not going to happen. Damn. Okay. First here. Heard it here first. I'm playing the field. Not going to happen. Breaking news. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> um, to follow up on what you said, though. I don't have a ton of takeaways for this game. On the Broncos side, I will say Jared Judy looked really good. Obviously, when he got drafted, there was all that hype. He was really good at Alabama. Glad he finally kind of is getting onto the scene a little bit and putting up some numbers in a good game. He had a good game. He had like a, uh, maybe like seven catches, 120-something yards. So he was putting up some numbers, so good for him. On the Falcons side, I will say, Kurtai, heading into the fourth quarter, they were up 27-6. to six. That almost the final score was 34-27. So I know incorrectly again, right? They let up 14 points in the last four minutes. And so the, the last touchdown on the Broncos was scored with a minute 52 left. I can't even imagine how hard the Falcons were pooping their pants when that happened, but they had on to do it. So good for them again. They are, I don't know if it's losing incorrectly or winning incorrectly or winning correctly or not losing. However you want to phrase it, they're doing it. I will say too, they're now three and one post Dan Quinn. So not looking good for Dan Quinn if he wants a job. <laughs> out there. 
<laughs> well, uh, Dan Quinn, uh, what do you have to say for yourself, mister? He was winless, and oh. now they're quinless. As oh, a let's go, ago. Kurt. That's called a callback in the biz, baby. <laughs> in the biz. I love that. <laughs> Anything else? I think uh, that game's yeah, kind of boring. It. Yep. Here's a good one. Like a real... We talk about being spicy. This one was, why is it spicy? Okay. Who's spicy? Because... Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills beat Russell Wilson and the Seahawks by double digits. And Kurt, let's just both collectively take a second to put our hands up because if I'm not mistaken, the theme where we're both, I can confirm with my one good eye that we are both currently putting our hands up. We both of us said after the Bills beat the Patriots, not that impressive. They could have been better, still kind of struggling. We don't really think they're going to beat an MVP level player in Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. And then what do they do? They ball the fuck out and put up a bazillion points on the Seahawks. A forty-four points. I mean, it's like Helen Keller was out there running around for the defense for Seattle all season. Their defense is that bad, but for Josh Allen to throw for four hundred fifteen yards, three touchdowns, and put up forty-four points is saying something. Because the week before against the Patriots, they scored twenty-four, but they earned every one of those. Like they, it was a grinded out. Not much, not too too easy, you know. Um, yeah, earned, not given. Yeah, and they ran the ball effectively. And this this game, they obviously threw the ball effectively. So Stephon Diggs continues to impress with the Bills, um, and that's a that's a huge win for Buffalo, a huge win. Yeah, and you said it yourself. I mean, we all know that they started hot. We all knew that their first four games were unbelievable. Their their four games after that was so so and so. For them, you know, if they can navigate that kind of tough stretch, if you will, and come back out with this sort of performance, that's unbelievable for the Bills, especially, you know, as we'll get to a little bit later, there's another team in the division that is looking pretty strong. And spoiler alert, it is not the Patriots. Um, What I will also say, though, is that this is going to be an all-time shame if this Seahawks defense can't even be average. They can't even be a little less than average. They can't even be competent enough to let the Seahawks go far. If they're going to, again, there's still plenty of time to figure this out. You know, maybe they promote some practice squad players. I don't know, whatever they have to do to figure out. I know the trade deadline already passed, but whatever. If they can't figure it out, get better, practice harder, whatever it is, and get to a point where they're going to be able to help their dude, Russell Wilson, out, that is going to be a shame with a capital S. Well, you can might as well put it all in capital letters because it's going to be a shame. There's nothing walking through that door that's, Cam Chancellor ain't walking through that door. (laughs) Okay. Earl, yeah. Earl Thomas ain't walking through that door. Richard Sherman ain't walking through that door. This is not your daddy's Seahawks. Okay. This ain't it. Facts. They it is gonna be a shame because this offense is is ridiculous. And um what was that thing in 2K back in the day? Like spurtability. Oh yeah. <laughs> they got spurtability on offense. It's just their defense is it's like Swiss cheese. That's coming from a guy who doesn't like cheese. Okay. Mm. That they're they're that bad. It's uh, I there. I ultimately think they're going to cost the Seahawks a chance to, to, you know, make it into a, the NFC Championship and and beyond. I think that it's it limits them that much, um, which is unfortunate. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree. And just thinking about it, right? Like, not only has Russell Wilson been playing out of his mind, but then when you add on the fact that the expectation for him is that he has to keep that up at this high level and even further in order to get this team to win. And again, like the bills are good, but like they're in the NFC, they're going to have to play like the Packers, like the saints, the bucks, like all these crazy good teams to even make it to the super bowl. Right. So like, I don't know. I like, again, 
we'll, we'll have to see. There is, you know, rough, I think we're past halfway point for the season. So there, there still is some time, but we are just gearing up towards whatever loss they have probably being like, you know, 63 to 59. Yeah, I know it. Um, anything yeah. else? Are you good? 63 to 59 was an all-time score by my keep that in mind for i don't know if that's the first round second round whatever in the playoffs mark that that stats guy mark that prediction down i'm gonna go saints 63 seahawks 59 if somehow they play each other in the first round and <laughs> that's a score i'll light myself on fire oh okay stats guy uh at minute 12 of week nine podcast mark that down well it's technically minute like 13 because i have to add the minute long intro i'm not a math guy kurt that's been uh, made abundantly clear so far so thank you very much Oh my god. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh here's a game that we did in the pick six that one of us got right, one of us didn't. Spoiler alert, I got it right. The Tennessee Titans knock off the fraudulent Chicago Bears 24-17 at home. Uh nice win for the Titans. Not a nice loss for the Bears. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. This only looked good because they scored two touchdowns in the last like five minutes. So really, they were getting destroyed basically the whole game. The Bears, I mean, the, they were you know getting destroyed all game. This was just kind of one of those games where, like, it's not like you know I picked it at the end of the day, so I do have to own it, right? But I was trying to will this into existence because I need to make up ground on you, and I knew you would pick the Titans. So I was like, let's just you know let's give the Bears a shot. Like they're frauds. Oh, but let's, he let's knew have I would. He knew I was going to pick the Titans. Yeah, Yeah, your brain's small. Mine's big, bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, yeah, we already knew that, too. So that Yo, doesn't even fat head. <laughs> Ooh, trademark. That's trademark. Fat heads. Do you ever, you ever get you ever buy fat head? No, uh, you have some have, of Tom Brady. I did not. I have I have in the man cave in the field residence. There are multiple fat heads. Oh, OK. Good to know. File that away for a future stats guy. Mark that down. Um, so, yeah, back to the game. Again, the Bears offense is fucking terrible. And it's really hard to figure out, like, trying to understand Nick Foles. It's like we've seen him at his peak in the Super Bowl. As Patriots fans, we know what he's capable of, right? We've seen, yeah, exactly. We've also seen him on the Jaguars, now the Bears, be absolutely terrible. But again, is that Nick Foles? Is that those two, like, awful organizations? Is it coaching, play calling? I don't know what it is, but, like, they're going to have to figure something out because like their defense is good enough to help them win some games. I'm not going to say like Super Bowl, but they, their defense is good enough to like win some games and keep them in games. But like they just need to figure out how to like score more points other than the last two minutes of the game when it's garbage time and over. Yeah, I agree 100 percent. I the Bears defense held Derrick Henry. If you told me the Bears defense was going to hold Derrick Henry on 21 carries to 68 yards, I would have told you the Bears were going to win the game. Yeah, Absolutely. But then if I saw Nick Foles threw the ball 52 times, I'm like, well, that's a problem. Yeah, that's, that's that's too much. That's way and a lot of those stats that you see on ESPN or wherever you're looking up box scores, uh, those are inflated based on the 17 points they scored in the fourth quarter. They didn't exactly. do shit all game. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I, like, I guess it's not that surprising. Um, both of these teams have been a kind of a little inconsistent. The Bears kind of are slowly turning into what we thought they were. Shout out to you for picking that. I didn't pick that, so whatever. We both knew it, but you picked it. I didn't, so I'll give you that. The Titans, I mean, again, like, good for them. They got the win. They're 6-2, and two, putting themselves in a good spot for in the, in the playoff picture. So, I mean, I'm sure at the end of the day, this won't be a memorable game from the season for the Titans, but it will be one of their wins. So, yes, absolutely. Uh Here's a good win for a, uh, a team that we will be seeing very soon. The Baltimore Ravens move on, uh, move to six and two after beating the Colts this weekend, um, twenty-four to ten. Uh, I think this game was more about the defenses, in my opinion, than their offenses. 
Um, Lamar Jackson has not looked like Lamar Jackson this season. And this is this is the point I made at the beginning at the beginning of the season. I was saying that, you know, before we crown Lamar Jackson, like yes, last year was amazing. MVP season, he deserved everything that he got last year in terms of accolades and recognition. Okay. Could it be could it be repeated going forward? Because you know, there was no tape really of the Ravens offense and how dynamic they were and all that stuff. And now people have had an off season and I've said this all along. I felt like when Bill Belichick was drafting the last couple of years, it's to start getting pieces to try to defend these outside zone, these fast teams like Kansas city, like um, the Ravens, the Patriots did very well this previous season, uh, previously in the season against the chiefs from a defensive standpoint, we'll see if it emulates this weekend against the Ravens, but I just, that offense doesn't scare me like it did last year. Now, What's probably going to happen is uh, Lamar Jackson's going to throw for 300 yards and rush for 150 because I'm saying this. But I just feel like last year they that offense struck fear into you, and they don't. I feel like they don't do that right now. Yeah, and you know, I I don't know what the status is of Stephon Gilmore, but if he doesn't play on next game against the Ravens, look out because that's going to be ugly. Um, but yeah, I think you you basically nailed it both from the takeaways from the game and for the teams. Uh, the offense last year for the Ravens looked absolutely incredible, got exposed in the playoffs. They've been exposed this year against the Chiefs. They've been exposed a little bit against the Steelers. So again, I think there's been a lot of instances where we can kind of see that they're mortal and they have flaws. And at the same time, like you said, Mark Jackson playing nowhere near as close to levels he was last year i don't know if that's like you know him getting cocky or defense is catching up or it just being you know it's just hard to like unless you're you know brady it's hard to maintain consistency across season after season so i'm not really sure the deal that raven is but luckily for them their defense is good is legit they balled out against the colts this is a hard one to decipher because it's not like it's not a good win for the ravens but you know me all season long i've been confused over the colts I have called them frauds. I've called them good. I can't get a grip on them. You know, last week they dominate the Lions, which again isn't saying that much, but you know, they beat them by like 20 and they score 40. This week they can't, they barely put up 10. So it's still, I would still say it's a good win for the Ravens. It's especially good that their defense playing well, because as you said, the they're going to need their defense to ball out, I think, moving forward if they're going to have any shot of winning. Yeah, I agree. Uh, did you see the play where Philip Rivers attempted to tackle oh my God. the Ravens defender going back the other way? Um, if you haven't seen this play, good thing Kurt brought that up because I completely forgot about it. That if you haven't, I think that's probably the only highlight from this game. Kurt, do you want to explain it or do you want me to? I don't know what was – you can explain it, but I just don't know what was worse if it between the Daniel Jones run and then this. Oh, my God. Yeah. Equally the, bad. Philip Rivers essentially threw a pick. And then he went to go run backwards to try to like tackle the guy or catch up the guy, whatever you want to call it, just falls flat over, trips over nothing. The, the turf monster got him or whatever you want to call it. And then the dude jumps right over him and Philip Rivers just flails like a turtle on his shell, trying to fucking flail all his limbs, arms and legs, misses everything, does not make the tackle. It's a score. It was that brutal. Was, that was a fantastic analogy, a turtle on his shell. It just, yeah. He looked like he was like, a, he had no, he couldn't move. It was very, <laughs> very, very weird. Someone uh, called life alert because he fell and could not get up. I have fallen and I can't get up. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that, I think I saw that was the first time the Ravens have beaten the Colts in Indianapolis in like the last six games or something. That's something weird. wild, like some wild stat like that. Um, but We'll be getting a real close look at these Ravens uh, in a couple nights, Bruno. So I cannot wait, Kurt. I can't wait. Hold on to your hats. Hold on to your butts. Speaking of teams I don't like, the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Kansas. 
best segue, A+. Plus. <laughs> beat, beat the Panthers 33-31 this week. All game, I was watching. I was like, the Panthers are going to do it. They're going to pull it out. They're going to pull the upset. <clears throat> wrong. Me. Wrong. The Chiefs pull it out at the end thanks to Patty Mahomes. Yeah, I, this was this game. I think this was the Fox game that was on my local network. I was home on Sunday in Massachusetts, so I think this was the game that was on for me. And so I was watching it the whole time. Crazy game. I mean, it was super entertaining. I think basically, and the announcers were touching on this a little bit too. But I think basically, this is one of those games where the Chiefs, you know, understandably so, kind of rolled in and were like, you know, we're just going to show up and win. Yeah. We see that sometimes from teams, and like, you know you can look at it two ways, right? Like they didn't take it seriously and it almost cost them the game, but at the same time they weren't super focused and they came in like that and they still won. So good for the chiefs. I just loved the Panthers, not backing down, not playing scared. They were doing like fake punts, going for it on fourth down, making crazy plays. Teddy Bridgewater had some amazing throws towards the end and some amazing catches by some of those receivers. And like, they legitimately, like if I'm remembering correctly, I mean, I know it was like a super long field goal, but there was like, three seconds left and they kicked they i mean it was what was it like super long or something it was like 68 yeah. yards something crazy yep. they had a chance to win at the end the kick was horrendous i mean yeah. understandably so because it was so far but that would have been all time if they had been in the game winning field goal with zero seconds left that would have been crazy yeah um patrick mahomes good game mccaffrey comes back from injury he gets hurt again yeah you ever seen that simpsons gif where it's the old man walking out of the tree and then walks right back in or the bushes yep. i mean yep. yep that's christian mccaffrey you're right you're right no you're right <laughs> yep He's, I guess, going to be out for a couple weeks here. So nice while people had him, I guess, in fantasy, but he gone. Yeah, shout out my boy Christian in my other league. Uh, he's definitely losing some sleep over that. But, you know, the Panthers have some pieces. I mean, they're, it depends kind of like how the rest of the season unfolds, but at least they're fighting hard and they're playing hard. I don't think we, again, learned anything new about the Chiefs other than they can just continue to score in basically whatever way they want. It's really annoying. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for the Panthers, again, there's no moral victories, but at least... You know, at least they fought hard. At least they didn't just lay down and, and die. Right. And again, Matt Rule has done a better job than I expected with that team. I thought they were going to be so irrelevant all season. And I'm not saying they're relevant, but they're not a bad team. And they're going to fight in every game. So exactly. Good for the Panthers. Um, don't look now. Oh, God. But the Minnesota Vikings are in the hunt. <laughs> oh, the Vikings are in the hunt. Oh, uh, this week they uh, they. Win by two touchdowns over Matty P's Detroit Lions, 34 to 20. I the Lions are streaky, to say the least. But Dalvin Cook for a second week in a row rushes for over 200 yards. Um, can someone go get that man some ice for his back? Because he's carrying the whole damn team. Yeah. Oh my God, Dalvin Cook is good. And I I, I think you nailed it about the lines. They are streaky. Just when I seem to buy in for them and they trade for Everson Griffin, they just have two basically horrendous losses in a row. So I have no idea what's happening in Detroit. I, this might just be like one of those seasons where it's just the, it's just up and down in a roller coaster. But for the Vikings, I think, you know, my biggest takeaway almost is like when the variables are right and things go kind of like as planned and like the things play out in their favor and just in terms of like whether, you know, playing at home or playing a weaker team or, you know, the, the, the plays ended up being called the right way. It seems like they can win. It seems like when things go off plan or off course, that's when the Vikings struggle. But, you know, playing a Lions team that is streaky and having one of, if not the best running backs in the league on your team, that's going to lead to some wins like this. So, like you said, good for the Vikings that, you know, at three and five, they're in the hunt, if yeah, you will. And like I mentioned, very much in the hunt. Their next four games, Bruno, at Tell the me. Bears, home versus the Cowboys, home versus the Panthers, home versus the Jaguars. That... 
you know, I'm not going to get ahead of ourselves, but that could be three. That could be three ish wins, maybe three or that could maybe even be four. Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, it's hard to like depend on the Vikings, but you're absolutely right. I mean, getting these this game out of the way, like they could very well be on their way to a five game win streak, which is kind of crazy to say about the Vikings. Yeah, because we were saying that they were done. Oh, I said they were done earlier in the year. So but they're finding themselves very much in the hunt. So good for them. I love Dalvin Cook. Love his game. Hate Kirk Cousins. Hate his game. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, I I like when things get spicy at the end of the year. So good. Throw the Vikings in there. Yeah. And, you know, adding to the spicy uh, Justin Jefferson. Shout out the uh, former draft pick for the Patriots that never was. Shout out. He didn't have a great game or anything, but he's adding to the spicy list of I'm sure he'll be a factor here in some of these games coming up. I think I died a little bit when the Vikings picked him the pick before the Patriots. Yeah. And you know what's funny, Kurt? Every I feel like because you and I have been texting each other for ever since we've known each other, every draft that's happened, we always text each other leading up. I feel like that's not even just this past draft. It almost feels like the player that you want. Whether remember who was who did the Ravens like trade Keenan Reynolds or no, there was someone like the, the Ravens wanted to, that we picked. They picked right before us. There's always these examples of these players like Kurt's like, I'm going to die if the Patriots don't take him. And then someone trades up to take them. And Kurt's like, I am now dead. <laughs> I have us have 10 lives or nine. Li- what does a cat have? Ooh, How many does a cat have? Nine, nine? Not a math guy, but nine lives. You might be a cat. I don't like cats. I'm not a pussy. Um, but- <laughs> wow. Let's go, baby. Coming in hot. Coming in hot. Whatever. <laughs> Uh, speaking of pussies, oh, uh, oh my God, segue game. Well, the Giants <laughs> won. I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, damn, I thought you were gonna go. I thought you were, thought you were about to go for it there, but just that's I what couldn't. I, mean. I I couldn't think that quick. I didn't, oh. know, didn't know how to incorporate vaginas and the Giants together. Um, but well, next time. <laughs> First time for everything, Kurt. I was gonna call Washington pussies, but I was like, I can't. Their head coach is battling cancer. I can't. Yeah, and their quarterbacks just have horrific leg injury after horrific leg injury. So, so yeah, so let's start there. Kyle Allen this week, the Redskins quarterback snaps his ankle. Bro, only gonna take four months to recover. Not as bad as they initially thought it was gonna be. It's not an Alex Smith injury. It's just an ankle dislocation. It looked gross. And don't get me wrong, four months of you know rehab is a long time. But considering the injuries we've seen on that field from Redskins quarterbacks, that's a victory for Kyle Allen. Yeah, and it seems like no one wants to uh, play that field, Kurt, hey. because it's bad. But also, speaking of Alex Smith injury, who other than Alex Smith comes on to play after he gets it? Like, isn't that just crazy? It's Alex Smith came on after a Washington quarterback had a horrific leg, leg injury? I it, it Everything has come full circle. <sighs> and he threw know. for 325 and a touchdown. He did. He did. I dude, every time he drops back, I just cringe. I'm uh, waiting for the like to disintegrate. Yeah. Oh, that's a good thing. Hey, that's a good way to put it, Kurt. But, yeah, yeah. It's, it is. But hey, Bruno, the Giants win. They they sweep Washington this year. They're two and seven. They're in the hunt. Every oh team God. every team in the NFC East is in the hunt because it's so bad. Yeah. Um I saw this stat on either Twitter or heard it on part of my take. I forget where, but the I, if I'm not mistaken, it's like Daniel Jones in his career is four and zero against the Washington football team and one and sixteen against every other team. So if he could just play WFT every week, he'd be undefeated. So good for him. Yeah. Also, though, on a serious note for the Giants, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think they had any turnovers, which for a Daniel oh. Jones quarterback team, pretty good because that's been the number one problem for him. So. I don't know really what that says when you finally have a game with no turnovers and you only beat the Washington football team quarterback by Alex Smith by three points. 
that's not the most convincing thing I've ever seen. But, you know, it's the NFC East, baby. That's that's what life is like there. Yeah, let's take a quick look at the NFC East, Bruno. In first place, the Eagles at 3-4-1. <laughs> In second place, the 2-6 and six Washington football team. The Cowboys somehow aren't in last. They're two and seven. And then the Giants are two and seven in last place. We have two teams with their, you know, starting and planned to be season long quarterbacks out for the season with horrific injuries. We have the Giants without their star running back lost to a season ending injury. It's just an absolute massacre. And I don't even know how to make heads or tails of it. Every every division leader in the seven other divisions have a minimum of six wins. And they're hmm. the Eagles. They're three, four, and one leading the division. Hmm. Hmm. Getting silly. It is. Oh, it is. We're not approaching silly. We're at silly. Yeah, it's hashtag silly time for the NFC least. Um, ooh. ooh. Let's go to another irrelevant game. The Texans sweep the Jaguars in their season series and get their second win. They knock off the Jags 27-25. I don't have too many takeaways at all from this game. Jaguars stink. They're trying to suck for... One of these top quarterbacks, I'm assuming, um, Deshaun Watson pulls it out for the uh, for the Texans, and uh, I really have nothing to say. I have nothing to say about this game. Yeah, I don't have anything to add either. My two quick points are number one: it seems like when the they've needed them the most, the Jaguars have been there to boost the Texans' morale this year. I think it was right after Bob O'Brien got fired, and then they win one game, then they go on another losing streak, and here the Jaguars come again to provide him with another win. So. Yeah. Good for the Texans for that. I mean, they're still two and six. So not great. My only other takeaway is that I don't know if you saw the Jake Lutton or Luton, however you say his name, quarterback for the Jaguars making his first start. Yep. First pass was yep. like a 75 yard or 80, however long it was touchdown. When I saw that on Twitter at like 103 or 104, because, you know, right when the game start, you're like trying to feel, see, get a feel for what's happening. I saw that and I was like, my first thought was like, oh, my God, the Jaguars are going to win this game by yep. like 30. That did not happen. Spoiler alert. But he had a great start, so good for him. He played a good game through for over 300 yards. DJ Chark. Chark. <laughs> not Chark. Baby, baby. Chark, 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 Chark. Almost 100 <laughs> yards receiving. Great game for him again. Though He's about the only person keeping them alive. Yeah. yeah uh, him and uh, Robinson, the running back, are, are decent. But, yeah. I would. I don't want the t- – I want the Texans to be upset and beat to a pulp by the time the Patriots play them. So – yeah, shout out to uh, um, T.I. and Justin Timberlake. We want them to be dead and gone. Wow, that was like middle school just happened all over again. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> John Gruden and the Raiders, Bruno. The Raiders. The Raiders. <coughs> do that. Yeah, they, uh, they knock off Justin Herbert and the Chargers 31-26. The ending of this game. I don't know how we deserved it, but we deserved it. Um, well, I deserved it because I picked the Raiders. Bruno picked the Chargers. <laughs> Why do you have to bring this up? Well, no, Nobody cares. It breaks my heart for Justin Herbert because, again. And for me. It, not as much for you. But <laughs> for Justin Herbert, you know, it's a, this is another game where he his tight end drops the ball. for They would have won. It would have won 32-31, last second play, last play of the game. Doesn't come down with it. Can't catch it. They lose. Uh, they're now two and six. I they they should be six and two. Yeah, and I, I I think if I'm not mistaken, right? Wasn't it like the third down play and the fourth down play to end the game? There were two like goal line fades yep. or like back right corner of the end zone that could have been caught for the game winning touchdown. Yep. So one I, there's Mike, nothing. One Mike Williams, who's been so right. good at that all year, had it in his right. hands. Drop. Well, that was a good right. defensive play. It was a good defense, but still, play. still, yeah. 
I, again, like you said it though, I don't have much from the beginning of this game as it seems with the Chargers. All that it really ever comes down to is the end of the game because they have some crazy streak of, or not maybe not streak, but crazy bad record in one score games and they just added another one on this week. It's it, like you said, it, it's just heartbreaking. Justin Herbert, he, I think, I think he is a real NFL future. He looks so good. And like, I don't know if it's like just the Chargers being Chargers this year or what it is, like some bad luck, bad karma. I don't know what the deal is, but like he looks really good and you just have to think. You have to think at a certain point, some of the, you know, the, some of these bounces are going to go the other direction and he'll be able to pull some wins because I don't know how, how many times we can go through this each week where it's like, oh, the Chargers found a new way to lose by less than one score. It's, it's crazy. Speaking of finding ways to lose, the Cowboys did it again because they, they had Pittsburgh right where they wanted them up 13 to nine at the half. No, excuse me. Yeah. 13 to nine, but they were up by 10 going into the fourth quarter. 19 to 9. Weird wacky score. But I was like, okay, Big Ben's big oh my big Ben. Coming out with his ice packs because his oh my knees God. hurt. He loves that shit. He loves yeah, to make it look like it he's so hurt. Yeah. And then he comes out and they end up winning the game. Juju Smith goes off. It is what it is. But I've this game in my head before that was the Steelers winning 40 to nothing. So just the fact that the Cowboys remain competitive was I think a good a good thing for for football fans but I would have loved I would have loved to see Pittsburgh lose that game. Who was the quarterback for G- Gilbert? Yeah, Garrett Gilbert. I think he was off the practice squad this week. Yeah. That's how bad Ben DiNucci was. <laughs> ben DiNucci, yeah. Oof. Yeah, But uh, Cowboys again just shooting themselves in the foot. Had a golden opportunity to have the upset of the season so far in the NFL and they couldn't shockingly couldn't get it get it get it done yeah and i was watching this game with my dad and we were both pumped because my dad just hates the thought that anyone else going a regular season undefeated like the patriots he doesn't want that to happen obviously as patriots fans we don't exactly like steelers fans or steelers the steelers in general either so we were both pumped with the way this game started kurt's yawning right now that's kind of how this game was in general just a big fat yawn the cowboys it's like bro can you just do one thing right for me please like you've had such a bad season of 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 like bad injury luck and bad play and it's like this like you said kurt two seconds ago this was your golden chance to pull off the upset of the season you had everything in your control you like you said you they went up in the they were up heading into the fourth corner 19 to 9 couldn't pull it through i mean i guess we shouldn't be too surprised it's both the cowboys and the nfc east it seems like that's what they do but you know, the Steelers did not deserve to win this game. Unfortunately, they did. Hopefully, Karma comes back soon to bite them. Well, they got a couple guys who went on the COVID list today. And uh, Joey Joey B and the Bengals are coming, or their next opponent. That could be a sneaky upset, per- perhaps. So Yeah, and coming off a bye. Lots of time to heal, rest yeah. up, prepare, recover. So I hope so. So uh, keep an eye on that one. Maybe that'll be yeah. a pick six. Who knows? We'll see. Ooh. Uh, here's a game we both got wrong in the pick six. The Kurt. Cardinals. That was a good segue again. The that Cardinals lose to Tua. Kurt, for the second week in a row, please raise your hand. You're an idiot. Because I was like, why would they ever bench Fitzpatrick for Tua? Well, Tua, Tua carved up the Cardinals like it was tuna. I don't know where I was going. <laughs> Damn, but I'm... <laughs> I was like, where am I going? With this? I was just like, carved him up like a pumpkin, but I was like, we're past that. We have Kurt, come on now. Carved, like a turkey. Carved all oh, like a Kurt. Turkey. Thanksgiving's coming well, up. I said right, tuna because okay. it was like Tua. Uh, I get it. <laughs> I get it, yeah. but Kurt, come on. Do you even carve it. tuna? Who knows? I don't like fish. But... <laughs> Not but, a fish guy. But the Finns win this one. Yeah. Um Tough, 
another great game though. I was this weekend's slate of games were fantastic. Aside mm-hmm. from Sunday night football, but we will get there. Um, yep. It was a great week of games. This one went down to the wire, back and forth, back and forth. I thought Kyler was going to pull it out. Ultimately, the Dolphins outscore the Cardinals ten nothing in the fourth quarter to win the game. Um, uh, Kyler Murray is legit. It looks like Tua has the makings to be legit. And uh, this, these are two five and three teams now that are in the hunt, Bruno. That we talked about earlier. You mentioned there was a second AFC East team who looked pretty good, and it's not the Patriots. Well, here they are. Yeah, and you did a great job covering all of the the main takeaways from this game. I have I have one big point about think about each of these teams, starting with the Dolphins because they were the the winners. They it is very clear that what the impact not only Brian Flores has but also the former Patriots joining their team and then also Tua and kind of changing the culture because they're, they fight, they believe, like, I think they all, from what I can gather, they all love Brian Flores. They all are playing for each other. They have a strong sense that like, you can tell that they're just playing together. And like, honestly, sometimes that can take a team that might not have, you know, the highest talent level that can take care to them, carry them to some wins. So I'm really, really impressed with the Dolphins to me. Like, it almost feels like even though I know the bills are really good, it almost feels like the dolphins are like heading towards a place where they can seriously be the favorites to win the division. Just because again, we haven't seen the bills put it together as consistently, not like the dolphins have been super consistent, but I think now with Tua moving forward, if they can continue to go on this kind of run that they're on, that's going to be a really exciting division race. However, on the flip side for the Cardinals, right? Cause I mentioned I had one big point for each of these teams the Cardinals are going to look back on the season, whether they finish a couple games out in the division or a couple games out for seeding. And they're going to look back at this game. They're going to look back at the Lions game that they lost earlier. And there's probably going to be one more, maybe two more that are just really puzzling losses. Not like this is puzzling, but losses they want back. And they're going to wish that they had been able to pull out some of those wins. Cause I feel like the, the Cardinals, you could almost argue should be, you know, they're five and three, they could easily be six and two or seven and one. And especially in the NFC where it's so competitive right now, the, the, those sorts of losses are going to come back to bite them. So, you know, the season's not lost. There are other team. We still have plenty to root for, but I will say like, they need to figure it out. And, you know, I know I just said a lot of words, but my last couple of words here, a little personal, cause I have Deandre Hopkins on my fantasy team. He had three targets. The whole game, Christian. What, Kirk, what are you doing? Christian Kirk got all of them. It's just, uh, but that. Oh, hey Kirk. Hey, hey Kirk. Guess what? Guess who else I have on my fantasy team? But guess who I didn't start because I can only start one Cardinals receiver, and it's DeAndre Hopkins. You should start DeAndre Hopkins ten times out of ten over Christian Kirk. I know, Kurt, but I'm still upset. Okay, so they. I mean, again, aberrations happen. Whatever game flow, you can say all these things, but at the end of the day, you got to throw it to Hopkins more than three times. So, Bruno, we're gonna get back to this with the Patriots, okay? But okay. Let's the last year, 2019, the Dolphins started 0 and 7. Everyone's like, oh, they're tanking. They want Joe Burrow. They're tanking. Well, they wanted Tua, but then right. obviously the hip. So I was like, oh, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow. Well, then all of a sudden the Dolphins start winning games in the last season. I don't know what their mm-hmm. final record was last year. They were one, two, three, four. They were five and eleven. Okay, last year. But mm-hmm. they won their last two games of the season. So they're seven and three in their last ten games. Okay. It just goes to show you the whole tanking philosophy in my head. Like, I don't, we'll get to it with the Patriots, but this is a good case study for what I believe the Patriots should be doing. Um, and that's, that's the tease I'll, I'll give for that. Um, we will come back to that. We'll, we'll, come, we'll be back. Don't, don't worry about it. We'll be back. But first, we got to take a detour to a dark, dark place, Kurt. A dark, dark place uh, for Tommy B. Tommy B and the Buccaneers, who everyone thought, with the addition of Antonio Brown, were favorites for the Super Bowl. Well, they laid the biggest egg of the season. 
Drew Brees and his bald ass head come into <laughs> come into Tampa, hang a thirty eight spot on the Buccaneers and that legit Buccaneers defense, and the Buccaneers can only muster up three points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know. It, it's hard to say now, right? Because we're in the middle of the season; and it just happened. I don't know if this is going to be end up being just like one of those games. But for what it's worth, the Saints firing on all cylinders. You had Drew Brees playing well. Taysom Hill was absolutely electric when he played. Even Jameis Winston got in the game at the end. So the Saints were just firing. It seemed like they were almost unstoppable. There was like at, at a point during the game where it just felt like they were just getting first down after first down. They were scoring in all different ways, and it was like, are they like? It was like that. Like stop, they're dead already. Like it was like you don't even need to score because they stop on the flip side what the absolute fuck was that from tom brady you like tom brady like when the lights come on he has performed time and time again kurt it's time to start asking was that the patriots yeah not tom brady i don't know i'm just saying because this was a huge showdown the lights were on sunday night football everyone's watching guess what he didn't do show up because he looked and they've already lost to the Saints. So it was, that was my thing i'm like there's no way they can drop both games to the saints just from a divisional race standpoint uh, and oh, did they drop it? Bruno, you mentioned Taysom Hill. We had a Taysom Hill game. Taysom mm-hmm. Hill was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Catching passes, running with the ball, throwing passes, which he doesn't do very often. Okay. Uh, it was like typically you get that one Taysom Hill game a year and like that we do. We got it. We got it. Yeah. And to add on about Taysom Hill really quick. He reminds me of Derrick Henry in the way, and I'm not going crazy right here, in the way that it feels like when he starts running with the ball, no one wants to tackle him. Like, you get that with Derrick Henry. People just people with Derrick Henry just toss themselves at the mercy of his legs and hope he trips over them. That's kind of like how you have been tackling Derrick Henry. It felt like Taysom Hill in this game was an absolute bully, and it did not seem like the Bucs wanted any part of tackling him. So No, I feel like he's that kid. Being a former high school football player, you had some kids who, when they ran the football, just... Like, it's like they were foaming at the mouth, like <laughs> laughing, like hysterically because they love to get hit. Because some like, George Kittle shit. Yeah, because they're like messed up in the head. Like I feel oh. like that's Taysom Hill. Like he's probably just laughing to himself, like manically as he's like, yep. about to run people over. He craves contact, yeah. if you will. Damn right he does. Um, <laughs> we mentioned Drew Brees, Taysom Hill, and Jameis Winston all got in the game for the Saints. Jameis Winston only threw one pass. Taysom Hill only threw two. But okay. QBRs, Drew Brees, 98.9. Taysom Hill, 100. Famous Winston, 99.9. Tom Brady, (laughs) 3.8. Hey, guess what 3.8 was? Still higher than the amount of fantasy points that Tom Brady had this week. He had like 2.36 or some crazy shit like that. so bad. It was like, and then, and then, and then. Bruce Arians comes out and says, I'll talk shit again about Brady and say, Kevin's yeah. open, just didn't get targets. I was like, Sheesh. yikes. Not yeah. good. The, yeah. And I, again, like it is weird. I, we did get all those reports about how Brady got fed up with Belichick in meetings and stuff like that, getting on his case and talking about in front of the team. Now he has a different coach, but doing some of that same stuff, but to the media this time, I don't know. Pers- like, again, I don't really know if Brady's like, you know, I, I earned that criticism. Let me let me own up to it. Or if he's getting fed up with it, I don't know what's going on. But at the end of the day, I mean, Tom Brady cannot deny it. He played absolutely terrible. And like, it, I feel like it's just been like a Jekyll and Hyde season from Tom Brady. He's had games where he's been yep. unbelievable, five touchdowns, 400 yards, spreading the ball around. And then it's games like this where it's like you get Antonio Brown back and it's like you're on, you have all this momentum. And then it's like you, you do that. Like that's what you're giving us. So wow. it's very weird. Very, very weird. All right, Bruno, we've reached that point 
in the podcast. We've reached that point in the podcast where it's time to talk about uh, your 1-0 in their last one game, Patriots. Oh. Because, hold on a minute. Don't don't close that door quite yet on the Patriots season. There is a glimmer, and I like like a glimmer, a sliver, uh, any little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Because and before before we get too into it, I didn't mean to interrupt. Don't mean to interrupt you, but let me just throw this out there for anyone who was wondering. Kurt and I were texting during the game. I had a moment of feeling down when it did not look like things were going our way, and Kurt said, "Bruno, shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear this shit." Positive vibes only. We're going to do the shit. And that may have wavered a little bit in the second half, especially as we got to the fourth quarter. But at the end of the day, we still got there and that positive energy paid off. And I think like the reason I'm interrupting you, Kurt, is because I can hear it in your voice. I can hear the glimmer of hope manifesting itself in your like I'm trying to think of a great word. Magnificent voice box. Oh, there we wow. go. It, that was sexual. Um, I something clicked for me. OK, and I think. I think I've done a lot of reflecting, and that sounds Ooh. that sounds dumb. <laughs> Self-reflection. That baby. sounds dumb, but I've done a lot of reflecting about how the last twenty years of constantly winning and knowing we were going to be in an AFC Championship game and knowing we we're going to play in the Super Bowl, like every single year, I just took for granted. Oh yeah. And now we're down by ten points at the half of the Jets, and I'm like, how did this happen so quickly? But I will say something clicked in my brain. In the second quarter of that game, and I was like, you know what? We're going to be positive moving forward. I, there, Patriots Twitter is such a toxic place. It uh, people on Twitter, beat writers, it, it's just toxic. They they expect perfection, and that's not what this team is. This team is so far from perfect. Um, but something clicked, and I was like, you know what? From now on, moving forward. I'm not going to just sit here and bash the Patriots. I'm not going to bash Bill Belichick. I'm not going to bash Cam Newton. Like everyone's out there doing their absolute best. So, you know, if that means down 10 at the half of the Jets, that means down at 10 at the half of the Jets. So I did think they were going to win. They pulled it out in the end. But yes, there was a moment where I texted Bruno that I quit. <laughs> it's true. Can confirm. Check the receipts. Because I, I did say this is the worst Wait, year ever. Red receipts or read receipts? What? Red receipts or read receipts? Red receipts. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I was like, this is the worst year ever to have a Patriots podcast. Like, we could have oh done this my god, for the last twenty years. Right. Well, you could say, I. Well, actually, you know what? I just had a thought. I was like, well, the drama has never been higher, but there has been some drama in recent years. But I will say, it's the most roller coaster maybe of a season. Maybe outside of the first four Deflate Gate game suspension, and then outside of like two thousand eight when he was injured. But I just, just to go back to what you said, you absolutely nailed it. We've just been so spoiled. And like people have always told us that people have always called us spoiled fans. But while you're in that sort of bubble of just success and dominance and multiple dynasties, Kurt, not just one dynasty, multiple dynasties over exactly count them one, two counted over multiple years, over our entire adult sports lives. Like it's hard for us to just realize what that means until we're out of it. And it's safe to say we're out of it now, but I like what you're saying in terms of Maybe we can't assume automatic AFC championship games anymore. So we're going to just have to start appreciating the journey rather than just waiting for the destination. That was deep as fuck. Call me a philosopher. Bada bing, bada boom. Kurt, back to you. I love it. I, from this point forward, this is a positive podcast. Oh, I am going to not, not all types of positive though. Oh no. I am going to be positive though. Okay. And I will start with the positive that is Cam Newton. 
outside of the Seattle game, Cam Newton hasn't been super effective. He was good in the Miami game, but this was like the first time we saw him, I would say, excel in the Patriots offense. And if you look at who he was throwing to, it's like, how how do you expect him to do well? You know what I'm saying, Bruno? It's um, the cast of characters was not overly impressive. Cam, was, but oh, sorry, sorry. No, yeah, you're going to me interrupt. Cam started his first ten, like ten out of ten passing. He was yep. Seventeen yep, of yep, eighteen yep. at one point. He finishes twenty-seven of thirty-five for two seventy-four, no touchdowns, but more importantly, no interceptions, no sacks. Huge, huge, huge. And I, you know, he. He rushed 10 times, they said, but five of those were quarterback sneaks, and one of them was a kneel down. So he really didn't run very much this game. But I think that was out of precaution, I'd say, because, yes, the Jets were 0-8 going into the game. But the Jets' defensive front seven can be very, very, very good. And they're like number four in the NFL this year in terms of rushing defense. So I think the Patriots are like, all right, we're going to have to win other ways. And the Patriots still ran the ball effectively. Damian Harris for 71 yards, Burkhead for 56. But it's I think they were like, okay, we're going to run the ball with our running backs, and then we'll hopefully open up play action. I thought Cam was great, Bruno. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, he the, that start was absolutely electric where he just, again, whether it was 10 for 10, 11 for 11, whatever it was before finally an incompletion was awesome. Um, I thought he looked a lot more confident this week, even though he wasn't as, like you said, he didn't, I think at the beginning of the season, there were a lot more times when maybe it was either pre-decided or very decisive when he was going to run. Like you said, didn't do that as much this game, still two rushing touchdowns though. So that obviously is a big part of it. I will say my, my two thoughts about um, kind of some players you've already mentioned. Number one, this is a personal grudge. I needed 10 points from Damian Harris to beat, shout out Brett LeClaire in fantasy. He got me seven. Not that I'm mad, but I'm fucking furious. So whatever. Fuck you, Damian Harris. I'm dropping you this week. Just kidding. I need you to play well. Keep playing well. Anyways, number two. Kurt, shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear it. Number two. <laughs> number two, Kurt, I. This, I think I said this exact thing to you after the Seattle game when Julian Edelman had a bazillion catches for a bazillion yards. But I didn't even realize until after the game. Do you know what Jacoby Myers' stat line was this game? Ridiculous. 12 catches for 169 yards on 14 targets. That is banana land. Nikhil Harry has 165 yards all season. Yeah, so say, tell you know, say what you will about that. But I mean, again, I don't know if the, like I don't know if you can count on Jacoby Myers to do that every game. But that is a really good sign, at least. I saw some people after the game. It might have been retweets from you because I do get a lot of my Patriots knowledge from you talking about how Jacoby Myers, very good contested ball catcher, you know, has been improving steadily over the course of everything. So not that I want him to be our number one receiver for the next decade, but if he's around for a while, especially after last night, I wouldn't complain. No, the intricacies of the way he runs his routes are super impressive. The way he can decipher whether it's man or zone is so important to the Patriots offense. And it's clear that he has a very deep understanding of where he's supposed to be when he is supposed to be there. Um, And he gets open. Uh, Cam Newton had a very interesting comment about Jacoby Myers in his press conference saying that Cam and his relationship goes back to when Jacoby was in high school. And with Cam's foundation, uh, the all-star team that Cam has, like the seven-on-seven thing, was with he had Jacoby Myers on his team. And Jacoby Myers at the time was a quarterback. And he was saying how when Jacoby Myers was a quarterback going to NC State, you know, Similarly to how Julian Edelman 
can always get open like that. It helps being a quarterback and knowing, okay, knowing from the, the get-go, am I running this route against man or am I running this route against zone? Where If it's zone, where's the soft spot of the zone going to be? Where do I throttle down? Where do I run to? Like It's just having that knowledge of a defense is incredibly important, and it is mind-boggling to me that the first five weeks of the season, he could barely get onto the field. And now it's like, you know, I haven't lost all hope on Nikhil Harry, but Jacoby Myers is, is producing at a much higher clip than Nikhil Harry has at all throughout his career. Uh, Edelman was running around on one leg. Hopefully he comes back healthy. But yep. I like Jacoby Myers. I like Demir Bird. I like those two in the offense. It's just you're going to need you're going to need more, you know. Um, but he, Jacoby Myers is phenomenal. There's not there's not enough praise you can heap on him today. Yeah, and I 100% agreed. The not to be, you know, again, this is a positive podcast. I'm very let's let me phrase it like this. I'm very happy he's playing well because we got some more bad news today about how our two rookie tight ends that we drafted to be this new uh rookie tight end, you know, whatever of the future, both of them are on injury reserve. Not great, Kurt. I'm not gonna lie, not great. So the positive spin, we have some pot pass catchers who are stepping up and playing really well. I will not be negative and I will not talk about how opposing defenses will spend all their resources to lock them down and there will be nobody left. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to be positive. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yep. I uh, <laughs> uh, don't want to think about that. Yep. Yep. Hope, hope um, Nikhil Harry comes back this week. I think he's going to. Um, uh, yeah, I agree. And then, you know, I know we're going to switch. I'm assuming we're going to get onto the defense a little, bit, a little bit, but before. Oh, no, you go. I was just going to say, before we get there, I don't know if you saw this too. Again, this you may have actually texted me this. I forget. But I saw a report that before the game, Nick Folk wasn't feeling too hot. And we were having Jake Bailey start warming up with some kicks because he might have had to be the emergency field goal kicker. So I'm not going to lie. That's all I was thinking at the end of the game. You know, we didn't really say the specifics. But basically, we were down 10 in the fourth quarter, came back and tied it up and then hit a game-winning field goal. I wasn't exactly the most confident at the end of the game, especially considering what we've seen from Nick Folk in the past, but shout out to him for putting that through at the Absolutely, end. Absolutely. Yeah. They, it was, yeah. Jake Bailey was kicking 48 yard field goals before the game and he was making them, but still Nick Folk came up big when they needed him most. And um, I think, you know, the jets were 0 and eight. They're the worst team in football. They're God awful. And it took everything <laughs> the Patriots had to win this game, but they won the game. And that, like I mentioned it on the last week's episode, like they're they all season long they've been losing games that we've been so accustomed to them winning in the past, and everyone's like, oh, Cam's had three. T-. The Seattle game we had a chance to win. The Denver game we had ball last. We should have won that game. The Buffalo game we should have we were in field goal range going into the end zone. All right, there's three games right there that we, I'd say, should have won. Okay, so. If you win those three games, you're six and two, okay? And the whole season outlook is different. But because... Holy fuck, we are. Math is crazy. But because of the fact that... <laughs> Did I just I had to throw you off right there? Uh, my head was spinning. <laughs> but the, the, uh, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's go, baby. Silly time. Find it. Get back on track. Get back on track. Oh, but the fact that they haven't produced in those clutch moments left me a little doubt they were going to do it last night, but they did. Cam was nails on some of those drives. He was nails. I, again, some of that is the Jets being completely relevant boobs, but, you know, I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, and to your point, I think that this is going to sound a little silly, 
but potentially we just needed a game like this to get some confidence back. I think there, Cam, Cam had talked a lot about feeling the stress, feeling the pressure. It's a contract near for him. Patriots fans, you know, are used to winning. New England is used to winning. So there's a lot of pressure and stress, especially when the quarterback following Tom Brady and the Patriots. So I get that. I think, honestly, this is just, like you said, a win is a win that you can, you know, you can say it wasn't great. It wasn't pretty, whatever. A win is a win. And honestly, we could be looking back on this win as kind of like the win that gave us some confidence back to start playing at, you know, maybe not at the level we were accustomed to, but way back on track to, you know, where we kind of thought our season was heading in the first couple of weeks. Cause I think after the first couple of weeks, Kurt, we were like Super Bowl. Yeah. I don't know, but legit, but we were like Super Bowl. So not again, I'm not saying we're beating the Jets means we're making the Super Bowl, but I'm not not saying it because it's a positive podcast. Since since Cam Newton got benched um in the 49ers game, he's his completion percentage is over 70. He hasn't thrown an interception, and he's been much more responsible with the ball. Someone asked him about his effectiveness as a passer lately. Um, I think with Mike Reese, maybe after the game. And Cam's quote was, I'm getting tired of sucking. Simple as that. And that's a good point. I mean, it is a Cam Newton's playing for his NFL life, and it hasn't looked very good here the last couple of weeks. So the fact that Cam got the monkey off his back and, you know, produced and got that clutch win, even against the New York Jets, just gave this team some confidence. And he's been saying, He's been saying during the losing streak, he's like, all we need is one game. He's like, the guys in this locker room just need one game. It's like, it reminds me of the Red Sox, Yankees. and I knew you were going to say that. Don't let us win game four. Don't let us, don't let us win game four. Yep, because we got <laughs> we got Pedro in game five and Big Show in game six. Anything, anything could happen game yeah. seven. So that's what I'm saying. The, the Jets fucked up. Don't let us, <laughs> don't let us win one. Because if we beat Baltimore, I might streak. I might streak. Stats guy, write that down. Stats guy, write that down. Um, yeah, can't. Basically, I hard agree. I, like I said, I think the power that winning can have on confidence, and morale, and work ethic, and determination. Not saying we didn't have all those stuff, but just the huge boost it can give to all of it is absolutely tremendous. I'm hoping that too. I think Cam said this week, as a certain infamous NFL quarterback once said, he said. We ain't no puppies. We some dogs. We some dogs. It, it's <laughs> the Patriots easily could have lost that game at like seven different times last night, but they made the play every time. Third and third and twenty late in the game when you need a touchdown, you get nineteen and then a quarterback sneak for the first down. But like that wasn't looking very optimistic for a while. Like I there were plenty of times last night you can point to plays and it's like, well, I didn't expect that to happen. So and let's give the Patriots a little bit of a little bit of the doubt here, like benefit of the doubt. I mean, because they're hurting beyond belief. They're down both their rookie tight ends. They're down Julian Edelman. They're down Nikhil Harry. So that's automatically a decimated uh, weapon weaponry for Cam. Their defensive last night, Lawrence Guy was out, Juwan Bentley was out, and Stephon Gilmore was out. So arguably your best player at each tier of the defense is out. And obviously the Jets shouldn't be scoring 27 points, but like there's only so much you can do. It was already an incredibly thin linebacking core. It was already an incredibly thin defensive line. It's an incredibly thin tight end group and they were missing key contributors in all those spots. So for the Patriots to win the game, I'm excited about it. Don't let us beat Baltimore because I swear to God, I'm going to be obnoxious about it.
Patriots fans obnoxious, Kurt? No, no oh, way. Yeah, me. I'm about to be obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> but let's talk about that for a second, Bruno. Let's talk about the tight ends. Um, Ryan Izzo has had his struggles this season, but the dude he competes his ass off. And I know we don't give out participation trophies and like that kind of shit, but he was really, really good in the run game last night. And I've He's not going to, you know, catch seven passes a game. He didn't even get a target last night, I don't think. But it's just Sheesh. he's he's doing what Bill Belichick and, and Josh McDaniels are asking of him, and he's doing it well. But now that you mentioned both of our rookie rookie tight ends are on IR, it's like, are we just completely eliminating eliminating that position the rest of the year? <laughs> like because. I know they're not uh, Dalton Keene and Devin Asiasi weren't going to put up ridiculous numbers, but like we need some of those guys out there just from like what what happens if Ryan Izzo gets hurt? Like what happens then? Who do we put out there? That's a great question. You because me? Uh, well, oh. first of all, I'll sign up. I don't give a fuck. Second of all, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And like just thinking about all the plays that that can potentially eliminate maybe from the playbook or from being called or just limiting our offense. That's not exactly a comforting thought when the whole season we've been trying to scrape by, scrape by yards, scrape by points, just work, figure it out together and see what we can do on offense. So I'm really hoping that a, no more injuries or COVID or any of that shenanigans, but B we just got to We got to figure something out for a tight end moving forward. Sheesh, geesh, Bruno. Speaking of being thin defensive tackle. I mean, we had, Guys out there I've never heard of before. <laughs> like, and humble brag, I know my shit. Like, I know everyone on the practice squad. I know that shit. Like, we had guys out there who I'm like, who is this motherfucker? You know that Snoop Dogg meme that's like, oh? Yeah. Who? Yeah. <laughs> that was us. Because, well, <laughs> Therese Hall. Who? Therese Hall who? is playing middle linebacker for the Patriots last night because Javon Bentley was out. I, and he got, he played, like, almost every snap. And I'm like... Didn't we just draft Anthony Jennings and Josh Uche and neither of them are playing much? I'm like, I am so confused. I know it's different positions inside linebacker and outside linebacker, but like it can't be that different where like Chase Winovich was playing middle linebacker at some points last night. I am happy for Chase. His snap count went up. He played two thirds of the snaps. True. Special teams. Uh, Yes, true. That was, that's very, very true. But like that defense was hysterically decimated last night and they played like it because the one strength of your team is your secondary and they played like absolute dog shit yeah i mean our boy who we are very high on and doesn't change after one game but jc jackson my god did he miss stefan gilmore because he was burnt toast against some of the jets and not that those jets receivers are like unknowns. Like they have a couple guys who have been around the block and are decent and whatever. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, what are we doing here? Like he had a stretch where he let up like, like three straight catches and the last one was a touchdown. It was crazy. Yeah. It's Jesus Christ. Jackson was what I was calling him last night. I know. Sorry, Bruno sensitive subject. I'm sitting right here. Well, his initials aren't JD. They're JC. Oh, that actually, Kurt, you know what? I'll give you that. You redeemed yourself for that one. That's pretty Thank good. Um, but I think this goes to show, and some of these Patriots fans need to get off their fucking high horse. JC Jackson's a better corner than Stefan Gilmore. No, wrong. Shut your <laughs> mouth. 
Not yeah. true. Stephon Gilmore makes everything go for that secondary. Stephon Gilmore can take someone and boop, erase them from a game. And that leaves J.C. Jackson on the number two receiver rather than the number one receiver. Right. And Jason McCourty's right. not playing every snap because, woof, he looked bad last night. It was, it was weird. Kyle Duggar comes back from injury, but he doesn't play much. And Terrence Brooks plays, in, Brooks plays instead. And my head was spinning like it's spinning right now. And I was just very, very confused by some of the stuff. But it doesn't matter. You know why? Because the positive podcast and the Patriots won. We got that dub, baby. A um, couple more things. Did you see the Jets linebacker last night who was in the backfield on every single play? Yes. Harvey Lange. Former Former Patriot. Patriot. Former BYU. Former BYU. Former Patriot. He was a Patriot in 2017 who every week, I think he was undrafted, okay? But he was turning heads at training camp, and all the Patriots beat writers like, don't forget this guy's name. He looks really good. Well, early on in camp that year, he gets into a terrible car accident with his girlfriend in Foxborough like they didn't know if they were going to live uh obviously it worked out well for both of them they're both healthy now Harvey Lange is on the Jets obviously and he re- he was wreaking havoc last night for the Jets um the Patriots offensive line held up held up very well but he was in the backfield consistently and I know mm-hmm. the pass protection stuff meant that the the running back picks him up but still he was he was disrupting a lot of the things the Patriots were trying to do last night yeah, and as a team who has lost a bunch of players and could use some pass rush help, uh, that you just absolutely love to see a former player that was literally on your team now on another team playing against your team doing the thing you want your team to be doing but for the other team. Yeah, that hurts. That hurts. It hurts. Um, so there's been some talk. We'll wrap this up soon. But there's there's been some talk that today. Some chit-chat. Some chitta-chatta. Some chitta-chatta, okay, about did the Jets purposely throw this game? Okay, now let me throw some evidence your way, Bruno. Okay, I know I'm, we're all love evidence. I know you're not a math guy, but maybe you'll be a forensics guy because I'm gonna throw some evidence oh, your way, dude. Fucking CSI, I hell love yeah, that shit. CSI New England, baby. Here we come. <laughs> so the Patriots are down by ten in the fourth quarter. Okay, down by 10. fact number one. Fact number one. Let's set the crime scene. The Patriots call a bullshit play on third and one. Cam Newton should have his quarterback snuck it, sneaked it. Anyway, he snooked, he snooked it. it. He he snooked it. All right. He called it. They called the QB bootleg. Cam trips. They lose four yards. Field goal team comes out. Okay. Yep. I was pissed. Yep. Same. And then, autumn somehow some way. The 12 man on the field fairy gods put a 12th man on the field for the Jets. And uh, Adam Gase is looking all upset on the sideline, but I don't think he was upset because that boy wants T. He wants T. Lawrence. T. T. Uh, the second best T. Law that's ever been in the AFC. You East. know what? Hey, oh, shout out T. Law. Bang. Um, but so that happened. And then news comes out today after that play immediately well the patriot so first down patriots they fuck it up they waste two minutes kick a field goal anyway um, yeah <laughs> yeah terrible but the next the literal next play for the jets they're on offense now first and 10 on the 25 their offensive coordinator doesn't call the play adam gase hmm. calls the play new york post reported hmm. that today adam gase calls the play action play that Joe Flacco throws the ball 50 yards on the field to J.C. Jackson. Okay? Hmm. Hmm. 
it's like the Jets are like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. Oh, <laughs> We're going to win. Abort. We're going to win. <laughs> abort, abort, abort. Yeah. <laughs> so I just find it interesting that that happened. And then if we want to get really, if we're going to really do this conspiracy theory, which I'm going to really do for a sec. Could you say it's getting spicy? It's getting spicy. The Patriots generated no pass rush last night. Okay. My my grandmother who could be in a Walker could have gotten there faster than, you know, anything the Patriots defensive front was getting to Flacco last night. Shout out your grandma. And then all of a sudden Joe Flacco gets sacked by Dietrich Wise at the very end of the game and the Patriots needed to stop. And I was like, Joe Flacco held that ball for no reason. Like, there were three people open on the play, and Joe Flacco was literally just sitting there. And I don't think the players are trying to tank because they're playing for their NFL careers. They're playing for their NFL lives. And, like, half of the people on the Jets are in one-year contracts. So what is the point of a a Jet this year being like, I'm going to lose all the shit this year for the team next year? Hell, I don't know if I'm going to be on the team next year. So I don't believe that. But I wonder if Adam Gase was like to Flacco, like, meh, 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 you know, do what you got to do. Yeah, and honestly, Kurt, it's not that crazy when you think about it. Because as funny as this sounds, one game is could be a major factor in this, in this tanking race. Because there are a lot of bad teams with two wins. And even there's a couple, there's like, I think the Jaguars only Jaguars have one. So like... There, there's a lot of contenders, if you want to call that, for the number one pick. So it's not the most shocking thing in the world to see the favorites for the number one pick want to continue being the favorites for the number one pick. At the end of the day, like you said, I don't know for sure if you can 100% be like yes or no. And I, I completely agree with you about the players. It doesn't make sense. Tanking is a organization-first strategy. It's not a player-first strategy. So for the players to buy into that, and like you said, they might not even be there next year, I agree. It doesn't make sense there'd be 100% buy-in. But there's certainly things you can do to increase the odds of failure, if you know what I mean. So, hmm, and be, Kurt, it's all I'm going to say. Because this is a positive Patriots podcast, I'm not going to – I'm not – going to point out the fact that it took the Jets possibly losing on purpose to win the game. I'm not going to say that. We are also not going to say that the Jets gave us or lost the game. The Patriots, it was it was earned, not given. The Patriots won the game. The Jets did the not The Patriots won the game. And let's talk about the Patriots fans today, because I told you we'd come back to this. The Patriots yep. fans today who are mad. Hashtag mad bro hours, because the Patriots won last night. They're like, what the fuck, bro? I got my dunks right here in the car, and I'm mad that the Patriots won. Listen, you shouldn't be mad that the Patriots won. You think you're getting Trevor Lawrence? Ain't going to happen. There's no way the Patriots are going to only win two games this year. Okay? Ain't going to happen. So it, look for just get that out of your brain right now. If you want someone like Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, who I, spoiler alert, Zach Wilson, BYU, my favorite quarterback in the draft. Um, oh my God, Kyle Lalotta! Shout, shout, shout out, Kyle Lalotta! <laughs> oh my God, no, Zach Wilson's legit. I promise. Anyway, okay. <laughs> um, I just the Patriots aren't going to tank for the same reasons that I mentioned in for the Jets. Okay, you're not going to tank. The players are not going to tank. And here's why Bill Belichick cannot tank. Bill Belichick is the GM. And the coach, okay? If someone else was the GM calling the shots or whatever that way, Bill Belichick has more pliability, shout out Tom Brady, to potentially tank. But Bill Belichick can't look his team in the eye and say, 
with any dignity if he, if if that was going on because he is the GM and the head coach. You follow? Yeah, and I not only that, Kurt, but I I could not agree with you anymore about the fact that there are so many fucking terrible bad, horribly run, horribly coached teams in the NFL. And you just cannot sit here and say, we are going to compete with them to be worse than they are. It's just not possible. We're the Patriots. At the end of the day, like we said, we're decimated by injuries, a lot of opt-outs, you know, a lot of unfamiliar parts, whatever. But at the end of the day, we're still the Patriots. We still have Belichick. We still have a lot of the core pieces. We're just simply not as bad as some people might think we are or want us to be. So it's stupid to be like, we should have lost that game because we're like, like you said, we're not going to be like the way we're just not going to be able to go the rest of the season, like not winning any more games. We'd essentially like have to not win a game for the rest of right. the season to have a chance at them. Right. Pick. That's just literally not. Here's that. a hot take. The quarterback's not the problem. How about that? Hmm. For some hmm. people who think he is the problem. Hmm. Um, I <laughs> here's another thing. The Patriots are not one player away from being in the Super Bowl again. There are so many different holes. We just named them all. Wide receiver, tight end, defensive line, uh, linebacker. Okay, they're old at safety. Okay. <laughs> so sucking, the difference between getting the number five pick and the number 15 pick to me are really no different. They're really no different. Plus, Bill Belichick has to sell himself going forward that like it wasn't just Tom Brady. Okay, Tom Brady was not the reason we hit, we won six Super Bowls in 20 years. Okay, part of that is me. So if Bill Belichick this year goes three and thirteen, all of a sudden now free agents this upcoming offseason are like, oh fuck, I want no part of New England. Okay, so Bill Belichick is not going to tank. So please get that out of everybody's head. And when this team starts winning games, because I do think they're going to start winning games, like just relax with the tanking shit. I and I mentioned the Dolphins. Okay. Everyone thought the Dolphins were going to tank, 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 tank. They were 0-7 last year. Nope. They finished 5-11. and They got like the number five pick. Two of false them. Yeah, great. But the Dolphins, the Dolphins did it the right way. And that's the case study. They played hard. They won games they shouldn't have won at the end of last season. And that's exactly the path I want the Patriots to take. Yeah, and I think the uh, – well – I was going to say the strongest point you made. All of your points are strong. Let me just start with that. But one of the strongest points you made was just the fact that it's not just one player for us, right? I think when you see teams tanking, a lot of the hope is like they're so desperate that it's just like they tank, they get the highest pick they can, take the quarterback of the future that transforms their franchise, right? And a lot of the times it's because those teams are so poorly run otherwise that they don't have a lot of talent or potential or coaching otherwhere to other in other places to make up for that. That's not necessarily the case with the Patriots. Like we said, we don't need to tank for, you know, Trevor Lawrence necessarily to be successful next year. There's a path ahead where we re-sign Cam, maybe do another one-year deal. We have a, you know, we try our best to load up on a, a draft class overall with depth. Like you said, not just one player at the top, but the whole thing load up on depth, maybe get younger, maybe some shed some stuff, signs of free agents. And like you said, even with everything wrong with this year, we could be very well sitting here right now at six and two with it like it is, Thank right? You. So That's imagine, exactly right. right? Imagine, yeah, exactly. Imagine next year when we don't have, hopefully, fingers crossed, we don't have all these opt outs. We have not as bad injury luck maybe across the board. And then again, another whole year to practice, especially for Cam. Like, again, it, we're not we're not one of those other teams where it's so hopeless that it's like we need a quarterback to be our savior. That's not the Patriots. It's not the Patriots. And also, we won't have the hardest schedule in the NFL because you play the same yep. 
Okay, so like when we play like the AFC North, you play the team with the who finishes in the same spot as you in the division. So rather than playing Pittsburgh, maybe we'll play Cleveland or something next year. You know what I'm saying? We could we could very well finish third in the division behind the Bills very and the Dolphins. Possible. So we could be eight and eight and finished in third place. Very right. Possible. So again, like that's a great point. I wasn't even thinking about that. That's a great point. That that is a factor no matter what, right? No matter what additions we make between this year and next year, that's going to be true. That our schedule will be easier. Even so. if even if it's second place, it's not going to be the city. Yeah. It's not going to be those teams anymore. It's going to be like, yep. oh, this is a nice little change up. And Bruno, because this is a positive Patriots podcast, I'm going to throw Dang. some great news your way. Some great news. Skeet. Great. And that great news is the Patriots have the fourth most cap space going into next year. So let's fucking here's what's going to happen. This offseason is going to be nutty. It is going to be very much like NBA offseason. Okay. Because most years, the cap goes up like 10 to $15 million. Okay. I don't know exactly what the cap is at this year. Stats guy will have to tell me and let me know. But yeah, mark that down. I've heard and seen all over Twitter that the cap is projected to go down almost $45 million next year because of COVID. So what does that mean? That means the Patriots have all this cap space and they don't have to get rid of anybody. But teams like the Chiefs or the Buccaneers or the Packers even, who have no cap space, are going to have to either restructure everybody's deal Every single player. <laughs> start getting rid of some big names. You could yeah. start seeing some big names get thrown around the NFL this offseason because I think it's the Jaguars who have $100 million, the Jets, the Colts, and us who have the most cap space in the NFL uh, going into next season. So the Patriots are actually sitting pretty in terms of what they're going to be able to do in not only the draft but free agency next year. So. Okay, so I think what you're hearing is Dalvin Cook to the Patriots confirmed, Devontae Adams to the Patriots confirmed. Kurt, I'm loving what you're saying. Uh, let's just check that box. Oh, yeah, right let's now. just stop the podcast right now. Literally. But that's what I have to say about that. Patriots are going to be a good spot. I don't think Cam Newton's a problem. I will tell you right now at 9.38 p.m. on November 10th, I will sign up for next year of Cam Newton. He's not the problem. Do his mechanics stink sometimes? Yes. Cam Newton is not the problem. He's starting to dumb, dumb, and dumber for the Patriots right now. Okay, that's not Cam Newton's fault. That is yeah. not his fault at all. Yeah, and that coupled with, and we can't stress this enough, for a team that prides itself on practice and prep and preparation and repetition, getting to the facility, routines, patterns, habits, all that good stuff. When you take that away from COVID and you break up the continuity and you add all these wrinkles into not being able to practice, you know, disrupting the routines, I think that like you could make a case that it's affected the Patriots more than maybe any other team in terms of like how we run. Correct. So I think with a more you know, with a full off season for Cam to work, because people forget he wasn't even signed like in the beginning, right? He had to wait a little bit, or we waited a little bit, I guess, more accurate. Um, give him a full off season, plus add some new weapons back to the offense, plus get healthy, give him all that practice time to kind of get under, you know, get under his belt. Very much agree. I would be fine to take another year of Cam Newton because also on the flip side, I don't even know what the other alternative is anyways. But like you said, I don't, the problem isn't Cam Newton. I definitely think he can get a lot better Shout out forward. to me for being dumb as a rock. It ain't Jarrett Sidham. So it's that, that ain't it. So <laughs> well, either you're going to do it with a rookie or it's going to be Sidham or it better not be Hoyer. I'll light myself on fire or it's oh God. And I'm No, it's uh no, uh, Kevin. What was his name? The quarterback? 
Kyle Loretta. Kyle, Kyle Loretta. <laughs> no, the one from this Zach year. Wilson, BYU. Zach Wilson. He's probably going to go Wilson. top 10, though. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but being positive. Yeah, being positive. Be positive. <laughs> we could maybe trade up and get him. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see. Oh, hey. Um, we'll see. I saw this today, too. NFL owners have agreed that if more games get moved because yep. of COVID later in the year, like if games can't be rescheduled and stuff, they're going to put in two more playoff teams. So a team in the AFC, a team in the NFC. So it could potentially be eight teams, no first round bias, one plays eight. It's like March Madness. Let's do the goddamn thing. I'm not I'm not actively rooting for COVID. But I'm not uh, not rooting <laughs> for COVID to potentially mess up a game or two and everyone's okay and healthy and no one dies and everything's okay with that. But that would mean the Patriots could be the eight seed, maybe. Kurt, I think more accurately what you're rooting for is for things to get fucking nuts. Let's get fucking nuts. Baby. 2020. Why not? Why not this year? Why, why not? not? Hey, why, why not, not us? Why 2004 Red Sox? Why, why not? not us? Don't or was that 2004? Don't yeah. let us win tonight. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't let us win game four. Uh, speaking of that game, let's just really quickly. What are your initial thoughts going into Baltimore week? Um, I'm holding on to my butt. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little nervous because as much as I've shit talked the Ravens, it's kind of the shit talking about the Ravens this year has been about their performance and play against the elite teams. Not that I'm not calling the Patriots elite because again, we are a positive podcast. I just don't think I want to give that title to the Patriots. I want them to earn it, which they could certainly do this weekend with a win over the Ravens. I'm yeah. just saying, um, I don't think this is at the point where if maybe, I'm trying to think of like, I don't know if we played like the Packers or the Saints where it might just be like, I have given us no chance to win. I, it's definitely not at that level. I think there is a chance for us to win. If you made me pick, I would say, oh, what's up? How's it going? <laughs> my, my roommate, Emily, made a guest appearance in the... Emily, want to say something? Just say hi. Hi. <laughs> Emily, hi. official guest on Playing the Field episode. Uh, wait, ask her for predi score prediction for oh, the weekend. Patriots are playing the Ravens this weekend. Give me your official score prediction right now. Oh, okay. Um, Who's winning? Patriots are going to win. Oh. <laughs> Oh, okay. Um, twenty-seven to twenty-one. I love it. You heard it there first. That's a score, prediction: baby. Patriots twenty-seven wow. twenty-one over the Ravens. Wow. I I wasn't even saying. I was saying nonsense. Just, I don't even have anything to add to that. You heard well, it here first. We will address it on the pick six. I think the podcast is over. Yep. We're not, I think we're done. That was this episode of playing playing the. Field. I said field. it way too fast. All right. <laughs> you tried. All right. You whatever. Tried. Catch you next time. See you, peeps. Sure.